Hello and welcome back to the Unreported World podcast with me, Krishnan Guru Murthy. This week, we're in Burma, where the generals say they are ending 50 years of military dictatorship, installing a civilian government and allowing some democratic reforms. But police have now savagely suppressed the biggest protests in five years. In the run-up to the clash, Unreported World was in the area filming the tension between villagers and a military-owned mine that raises questions about who's in charge in the new Burma. This is opposition leader Aung San Suu Kyi in a remote part of Burma, just hours after police had attacked and wounded scores of protesters. All join hands with me as we walk this difficult path. Will you accept my solution to end this in peace? The events that had unfolded in a tiny village had suddenly become the major flashpoint in Suu Kyi's struggle with the Burmese generals over the future of the country. Just weeks before, we had travelled secretly to the village that would find itself at the centre of the violence. Came down well. We were travelling towards a mountain range that contains one of the biggest unmined deposits of copper in the world, worth billions of dollars. This mountain ridge in front of us is called Lepidong, which is basically the copper mountain. The copper is all throughout that mountain ridge. What they're worried about is the disappearance of an entire mountain. I caught my first glimpse of the mining that's begun here. Unchecked, the mining will eventually destroy this entire mountain range to reach the copper below. Three mountain peaks had already been reduced to rubble. There were 30 more to go. Right up against the mine is the village of Wet May. I'd come here to meet a net a woman risking everything by leading a struggle against the mine. She showed me where the mine was dumping waste on their fields. When we try to stop them, they roll rocks down onto us from above. We are so upset. Now look, the trucks are dumping again. I feel so sad and angry. So we've only been here for a couple of minutes, really, and we've already seen two of these giant dump trucks, dumping this ever-growing pile of rubble that almost seems, as we're watching, to be getting closer to the village. It's not just any mining company that ANET is dealing with. The mine is owned by China's main weapons manufacturer and a business run by Burma's top generals with assets they've seized during years of military rule. Ah. 
Two months ago, Anet was jailed for a week for leading a demonstration. They violently shoved me into a cell at the police station. It was terrible in detention. They handled me with excessive force. I didn't eat anything for five days. Eventually, the police gave way. Her mother said she wasn't surprised. She's always been feisty, since she was a little girl. She's always talked back. Until reforms last year, protesters were jailed for years. Ainet's mother said Su Chi was a role model for her daughter. She may not have her qualifications, but she has her spirit. She too loves her country and she loves her people. She loves her fellow villagers. That's what makes them similar. Ainet showed me how the arrival of the mine had ripped out the heart of the village. The local authorities had sacked the village schoolteacher. I see the texts on the wall. I miss the days when the school was crowded full of kids. An empty school building with no teachers and no students. So what's upsetting you now when you... This is our village and this is our school for our kids. They closed it down. Now our kids have to go to schools in other areas. It is very upsetting. We built this school with our own money and labour. I feel so sad to see how our blood and sweat have gone to waste because of these bullies. Government officials had even enticed away the village monk. They offered him $5,000, a mobile phone and a motorcycle. He is old. He just wanted to live in peace, so he accepted the offer and left. Annette called a meeting to update the villagers. She and her cousin Tweetwe had learned every detail about the Burmese company that part owned the mine, UMEH, a key part of the general's business empire. UMEH are acting like they rule the country. UMEH are just a handful of people, a group of generals. It's just a business owned by the military. The military wants to rule forever and this project is funding their plans. We must rise up because they say they will not stop at any cost. Yet the women were only addressing half the village. The rest of the inhabitants had left. They'd accepted a new life in a settlement built by the mining company and the promise of a job at the mine. They are enslaved by the Chinese. That's the fate of those who bowed to them easily. Are you going to let this happen to us? No. Can they bully us? No. (laughs) 
Each morning, Annette goes to pick vegetables in the fields that her family has lived off for generations. We have little formal education. We can't get jobs working for other people. We wouldn't be able to make enough money to survive. The Chinese company is sucking our blood. They will eat the meat and give us the leftover bones. The mining company says they paid the farmers for their land and have contracts to prove it. Annette says they were told the agreement was only for the temporary loss of crops. Whatever was said to them, the villagers here clearly feel duped. At first they said they were paying for the value of our crops for three years. Then they told us to leave permanently. That's cheating. They said leave forever. A few miles away is the new settlement built by the mining company for villagers who have given up their land. The government had made farmer Utain Win headman of the new village. These trees have been planted for shade. The big advantage is the electricity. There's nothing like this at the old village. Each family received a new house and the promise of one job per family in the mine. Marcy has moved here with her husband and daughter. Instead of working in the fields, she's making clothes. And she's enjoying her new mod cons. How is life different for you here than in old wet It's different. In our village, we had to use this iron. Now we've got electricity, we use this modern iron. We could only watch a small black and white TV, a small 18-inch one. Now we have electricity and we can watch in colour. For her, it's a big change of life coming from the old village to here. She's running a family and she works as a seamstress, so these things are a way of her making some money. So it's a very big change, very significant change for her. But the mining company had failed to deliver the job it promised every household, and money was tight. The village headman admitted things had not turned out as the villagers wanted. Well, the feeling's mixed. Some parts are good, others are disappointing. For poor families, having someone working at the mine helps a bit, but those who weren't given jobs are facing difficulties. What do you think of people like Annette and Tue Tue, who are, seem to be leading the people to stay? We don't judge what they are doing as wrong. We moved not because we are happier here, we moved because we have to because of the project. Tui Tui and Net are not our enemies. They made their own choice and we made ours. We must walk the path we chose. 
Back in the village, Ainet may not have had electricity, but she was trying to run a modern protest. I need more courage. I'm determined that this project must be stopped. If we have even one drop of coward's blood in us, we must get rid of it. We need to be heard by their bosses, so we need to escalate our movement. Demonstrations at our farms and sites are not working. We need to go to their project sites and offices. We will block their project sites and camp there if we have to. I am prepared to give up my housework, but I need to pick beans to survive. How about this? You pick beans in the morning and I will sell them for you in the afternoon. We will share the tasks like that. OK, that's good. Ainit was doing everything possible to make sure this didn't remain just a local issue. I have heard a lot of people talking about you in Rangoon. They are interested in your campaign. Will the whole of Rangoon support us? <laughs> That's what you should aim for. Next morning, Ainet took me to the mine headquarters. With a camera donated by her contacts in Rangoon, she was documenting an escalation of the conflict. Villagers with jobs at the mine had gone on strike, demanding better pay and conditions. Just two years ago, this kind of defiance would have led to long prison terms. The compound was home to about 2,000 Chinese workers who get most of the skilled jobs. The few positions given to the locals were as low-paid cleaners and kitchen staff. They are giving the jobs to people from other areas while we are struggling with unemployment. They work for the Chinese company. The company is cheating them by not paying full salaries. Now they are demanding their rights, but they won't let them in. Led by the village headman, a small group of workers was allowed in to negotiate. You and you, the rest wait here. You don't realise that your pay and status are built on the ruins of our lives. After hours of talks, there was an update. Follow that man and ask him your questions. Are they going to pay the higher rate or not? They will, but they have their rules. They say they can't give pay rises to new recruits. They are on the phone now. They will do their best. We told them that we won't leave until this is resolved. They said they will try their best. I knew you would just nod along with whatever they say. No, I didn't. That's why I didn't want you to go in. I don't trust them. Mine officials were stalling, saying they had to check with Beijing. The striking workers camped outside the mine headquarters to keep up the pressure.
ANET knew they needed more support, she and Tuaytuay set off to see a group of people who for years have been one of the most powerful enemies of the Burmese generals. Their destination was a Buddhist monastery whose monks have been at the forefront of political protests. These photographs are postcards that they've got together to show the farming life in the Lepidong Mountains. They're very inspiring in the way that they're actually organising themselves. And when you think about it, this is a small community, a small farming community, taking on the might of a Chinese mining company and the Burmese military. People fight for power. They lack a thing called love. In the world today, we don't need war. We just need love. Burma's Buddhist monks aren't cloistered ascetics. In 2007, the monks in this monastery were amongst the first to rise against military rule. The protests were brutally repressed. After morning prayers, Ainet and Tuaytuay had the chance to put their case. Since we were born, those farms have been our life. We will never agree to sell our land. For farmers, farms are our lifeblood. No matter how much they offer, we won't sell. They don't care about our voice, but I hope they will listen to Buddhist monks. Are you determined to fight until the company leaves your farmland? Yes. Sacrifice your life and all you have. If they don't leave, do you wish to fight until the end? Yes, yes. We haven't had any peace since the project began and our everyday lives are continuously under threat. We are fighting because we love our land. They will never bully us. We cannot promise anything, but we will try. Monks' voices are better heard than ordinary people. When there are people facing trouble, no monk will turn a blind eye. Our presence had attracted attention. Immigration police turned up to find out what was going on, and we had to leave. But Annette got her promise. 500 monks pledged to join her campaign. In Rangoon, Annette's campaign had become front-page news as a story of the generals stealing from the people. Burma's media is just emerging from decades of censorship. We went to meet a leading newspaper editor, Chormin Sway. The land issue is a big issue, a big problem for the government. Local crony businesses under the control of the military regime. They took a lot of lands from local people by force. He told me that until recently, UMEH, the general's company, was the mandatory local partner for any foreign investment. As Western companies arrive, they'll still find themselves having to deal with the generals, who have stakes in almost every aspect of Burma's economy, hotels, transport and land development. Currently, the military's officers is also chairperson or managing director of UMEH. Mostly the shareholders are top level. 
Currently, the military officers are also the chairpersons or managing directors of UMEH. Mostly, the shareholders are top-level officers. So we have to face big questions and big challenges about that issue, UMEH issue. How they control all business sectors, how they influence the current government. We followed the Chindwin River back towards Ainet's village. On the bank opposite, we saw the next stage in Ainet's campaign. We're right on the riverbank opposite Lepidong Mountain where the copper mine is underway. And on this side of the river are the townspeople of Mongwa. What they're doing is having a mountain gazing ceremony. People from the local town were gazing at the mountains the mine would remove. Uant, a poet, told me the police tolerated the gazing but had forbidden any other protest. We just stand here and observe the mountain and after that we may uh, most probably disperse peacefully. In a country where protests had for decades been brutally repressed, no one knew how the authorities would respond to Ainet's burgeoning campaign. This simple act was testing the limits of Burma's new freedom. A fortnight after we left Burma, the promised 500 monks arrived to help the villagers, joining the protest outside the mine headquarters. When they ignored a deadline to leave, police threw incendiary grenades, which set fire to the monks' tents. Many of the monks and villagers were terribly burned, among them one of Ainet's cousins. The poor monks, will they die? Later that day, Ong Seng Su Chi arrived. I will find a peaceful solution. Will you accept my solution to end this in peace? She promised to investigate the mine. This will prove a critical test of her ability to deliver justice to the Burmese people. Just before we left Burma, Ainet had told us this was a struggle she was never going to give up. Even if they shoot me for stopping their mine, I'm ready to die. If they say they will stop the project when I die, I will let them kill me. If you've enjoyed this week's Unreported World podcast and want to further explore the internationally available programme archive, visit the website at channel4.com forward slash unreportedworld. You'll also find information on how to join us on Twitter and Facebook, feature articles, video extras and more. Thank you for joining us for Unreported World 2012. Join us for more insights into the lives of people in some of the most neglected parts of the planet in 2013. From me, Krishnan Guru Murthy, goodbye.